If you've listened to our first two podcasts in this series on worship, you know that we've been trying to lay the groundwork for an understanding of what it is we do as we gather on Sunday mornings. Our most recent podcast tried to take a look at two basic ways in which worship services can be constructed, either in a more free style or in what is sometimes called a regulated style. In the first of those, the elements in a worship service may be freely chosen, just as long as they aren't antithetical to Scripture. But in a regulated service, care is taken by those planning the service to try to ascertain what are the elements of a worship service that might qualify as the minimum daily requirements, or perhaps in this case, minimum weekly requirements for Christian worship. I think it's rather timely that we've just celebrated the anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. As you probably know, the Reformers were quite concerned about how worship was conducted when Christians gathered on Sunday. Just what's going on when believers, whether a dozen or 2,000 of us, come together in the name of the Lord? New Covenant Church is non-denominational. But saying that doesn't mean that we don't stand pretty squarely in the Reformed tradition. So, with that fact in mind, I want to talk for a few minutes about the way in which the Reformation shapes our understanding of worship. I'm drawing some of my thoughts from Leonard Vanderzee in his November 2015 article online in Banner. Vanderzee first points out two major components that characterize Reformed worship. First, it's a gathering before God of his covenant people. Now, don't let those simple words obscure the amazing truth they carry. God invites us to worship him. That is amazing. In other words, we don't wake up on a Sunday morning and decide eh, we should go to church and worship the Lord. No, as the communion hymn says it, we come as guests invited. If we really got that fact into our heads and hearts, what a huge difference it could make in how we view Sunday worship. In fact, van der Zee explains that worship, then, is a dialogue between God and us, his people. Here's how he puts it. Number one, God welcomes us in his grace. We respond with praise and adoration. Number two, God reminds us of his commandments, his law. We respond with confession. Number three, God speaks in his word. We respond in thanksgiving and prayer. Four, God offers the new covenant in Christ. We receive it with thanksgiving. This, by the way, is what we celebrate at the Lord's table. And number five, God gives his blessing. We go out as a covenant people into the world. Now, already I think you can see some of the shape of our worship services at New Covenant reflected in these concepts. If I were teaching a class and you were my students, the homework for tonight might be to take this little outline and fit in our regular Sunday morning elements where you think they belong. For example, hymns, prayers, and so forth. Uh, but don't worry, there's no homework and you're not even going to get a grade. <laughs> the second major component of Reformed worship that Leonard Vanderzee points out is that it is Trinitarian. Now that $64,000 word simply means that what we do is based in the Trinity and acknowledges God in three persons. Now, before you pass up that idea too quickly and say, well, of course we do, let's just think for a minute about how easy it is to neglect that idea. Let's look for a moment at the area of my greatest interest, what we sing. 
Do our hymns and songs regularly speak of or address all three persons of the Trinity? As I record this podcast, our opening hymn for this coming Sunday will be Holy, Holy, Holy. In this text, the Trinity is explicitly referred to, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. But if we aren't careful, it's easy to shortchange one or more persons of the Trinity. In real Christocentric worship, it won't do to sing a steady diet of hymns that while they may faithfully extol God's power, his sovereignty and might, never get around to lifting up the name of Jesus specifically. Perhaps most often the case with us is that we sing too little of the Holy Spirit, the one who, in the words of Margaret Clarkson, quickens our hearts with new life from above. James Torrance points out that in true Christian worship, God is with us. By his Spirit, the resurrected Christ is in our midst. He actually leads our worship, our prayers, and our praise. Imagine Jesus himself as our true worship leader. Now that is amazing. In our next podcast, we'll dig a bit deeper into how this Reformed understanding of worship fleshes itself out in what we say, sing, and pray. I'm Greg Wheatley. This has been The Day After Sunday.